0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm Sam Brooks, I'm joined by Rafael Jacobin and Richard Hall. Okay, we're going to do the uh, final episode uh, of the season here and big news coming out today, uh, which we'll start with, is that Antonio Conte is going to stay at Inter for next season. Uh, Rich, what's your reactions to that first?
1: Um. I think that for an Inter perspective, it's it's, it's a good, good outcome in some respects. I mean, look, I think Inter are in a win-win situation today um, in, in respect to the fact that Antonio Conte has done a fantastic job there. You know, anyone who's, who's followed his career will know that he's been uh, somewhat difficult to work with in some respects. Whether that goes back to Juve, whether it's Chelsea, even the national side in some respects. Um, you know, and, and he's got that sort of uh, explosive nature that he, he likes to speak his mind. He also tries to send a message about transfer funds. at Pretty much every club he does, and there was a lot of things that you know built up with him in this uh, before the outburst that we all heard at the end of the season. Uh, obviously, say, he said that he didn't get enough protection did his players from the higher management, and I think the danger there was the fact that it was so outspoken against Sun in-group, potentially against Marotta as well. Was to say that even when he compared it to Juventus, um, you know, being a more uh, t- more together as a club, um, that outburst didn't seem right. However, saying that, uh, you know, it's you can tell it was very tense today because there was lawyers involved from both sides, so it was obviously a very very uh, tense meeting. In the fact that they were never going to sack him, it was always going to look as though he was either going to walk away or by mutual agreement, um, because of the money involved in that contract. But so for a financial point of view, it's good for Inter. On the playing side, it's good for Inter because for me, this season, even though he's somewhat one-dimensional, I think Inter needed that and that uh, focus on that 3-5-2, the game that they play. I know that finishing behind Juve on one, by one point is a little, um, it doesn't tell a real story, but still, they've really improved. The Europa League final, fantastic. Um, and, and now for me, you know, you look at the changes at Juventus, we've got Andrea Perlo going in. Um, it's a real chance for you. Uh, sorry, for him to, to move on and to push on, and to challenge. So, yeah, as I said before, the win-win is because, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later with Allegri. I mean, he obviously would have been uh, maybe an improvement, or there was there's plus and negatives with that. I'm sure we'll talk about. But for me, Antonio Conte um, gives you consistency, allows that club to take stock. Uh, you don't have to have a big overhaul in the transfer markets again for a different style. And um, yeah, I think that there's obviously. It was interesting for me as well that uh, there's a lot of reports now coming out that this was agreed yesterday, uh, even though bizarrely uh, Stefan Zhang from the Suning Group and Conte are still in the building as we're recording now. Uh, so there's obviously a lot going on at uh, the FL Gentili, but you know I think the Forinta fans, they can take a deep sigh of relief and think, yeah, we've got some consistency for once.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been very interesting as it's played out because... Uh, as you said, Conte sort of had an outburst at the end of the league season after Inter finished second. It then seemed to sort of die down a bit as they went through the latter stage of the Europa League, and then he had another outburst after the final on Friday. There was plenty of speculation. It it was it was favoured that he would actually leave over the weekend. That that was what was expected, but but in the end they decided to go the other way. It seems as as you said, there's been plenty going off uh, going on off the pitch with. Uh, you know, death rents. uh There was there was about the bullet sent to his wife, um, him being swindled out of a load of money has been brought up in recent days as well. What what do you make of it all, Raphael? Are you are you glad he's staying in the end?
2: Yeah, I think it's a sensible decision from Inter because they are going to be able to push on, especially when a lot of teams around them are going to be in a lot of uncertainty next season. Um, I think in terms of Conte himself. I think they've come to realise that, you know, his his outbursts and his sort of eccentricities are just part and parcel of having him as a manager, and they've they've come to accept it. And I mean, they've realised it's it's you know it is worth it. And I think with regards to Conte, you know, he's 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 had a lot of um he's had, he he said it himself after the game. He had a difficult season on a personal level. So I think mean, that played a lot in his in in sort of the doubt that was sort of lingering in his mind. I think I think mean, he knows that next season will probably be a bit more straightforward, or at least not as turbulent in terms of um, in terms of his personal life. Hopefully, so maybe so maybe next season will be a better, ju- better um, sort of a a way of judging him in his, um, as as an Inter manager.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems this season has mostly been about putting the pieces in place. You know, in the previous two seasons, Inter had only just made the top four on the final day of the season. This year, they pushed on. uh, As you say, they finished a point behind Juve. It's a little bit of a false narrative there. Juve did wrap it up with a couple of games to spare, but they were much closer to the title race. Um, So I want to go back to their most recent game, which obviously was Friday against Sevilla. Uh, excellent game, ended three two to Sevilla. What what did you make of the match,
1: Rich? Uh, it was it was difficult, really, because I think with Inter, the I think you've got to go back to the Shakhtar game, uh, where they were really imposing, um, and you looked at it and you thought that you know the five 0 win, they contained them so well, uh, it took out all the passing lines. And, and sat back in the defence looked really good and then they hit them on the counter and, you know, they were happy to just let um Shakhtar have the possession. And so you assumed that was going to be the same game plan against Sevilla and it seemed to be that. Unfortunately, though, the difference here for me, and you could see it from, from very early on, into the uh, right-hand side, you know, Campos and Ocampos and who uh, absolutely <laughs> rinsed D'Ambrosio for most of the game. I'm a big fan of D'Ambrosio and his improvements. But you could just see that that, there was some nerves there. There was um, uh, uh, not a lack of an experience in a sense because they've got players there like the likes of Romelu Lukaku, the likes of Diego Godin, who, who've been to these sort of play, places before and these sort of games before. But there's players on that pitch like Bastone, like Lautaro Martinez, uh, you know, like that uh, just seem to not be at the not be at the races, a little nervous. And Sevilla then got those passing lines in. I mean, Luke, <laughs> Luke De Jong, you know it. <clears throat> They they were really took advantage of that. Uh, well, he took advantage of their bit of weak defending, and for me then into just showing a lot of fight. And uh, you know they were powerful. They did counter attack and they didn't give up. And I think that was a real um, a real sort of um, what do you say um, characteristic of a Conte team at the moment and the way they're looking. And they didn't divert from the plan. They didn't stop doing what they were doing told to do in the instructions. The problem, the only criticism against Conte potentially the substitutions when they eventually came on, because I think you know you're talking nearly 18 minutes and you bring bringing on Christian Eriksen, who hasn't really been playing particularly well. Like Sanchez back from injury to Moses, who really you know very in and out of the game, in and out of games, and it was too late for those to, to have any real influence. The end of the day with Lukaku, it was unlucky. Um, I think that game could have gone either way, but. You know, as a lot of those interplayers said at the end of the game, I think they can take this as a starting point. Ideally, yes, if they'd have won that game, um, you know, they could have really taken, gone into this season thinking, OK, this is a massive chance and it's always good to win trophies. But I still think there's a lot of positives there. Um, and, you know, you, you're playing against a team, I mean, severe, what even if it's not always the same coach or the same players, you know, there's always a feeling around teams who continually win things, just like it would be at Juventus, or Paris Saint-Germain in France. You know, if you're, you're part of a unit or an institution that wins things, it, it resonates with you. So, overall, um, errors in the game, yes, but overall positives to take out of it.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, as you said, Lukaku was involved in a couple of key moments in the game. Just want to get your thoughts on this, uh, Raphael. Um, first of all, should uh, the severe defender possibly have been sent off in conceding the penalty early on? That was, that was quite a debatable call uh, as to whether he was actually trying to get back to play the ball. And also, how do you sum up Lukaku's season as a whole? He obviously equalled Ronaldo's record for a number of goals in a debut season for Inter, although he did, unfortunately, score the own goal that uh, you know cost him the game in the end on Friday. But but how how would you sum up Lukaku's season as a whole?
2: I would say that it's it's sort of a cliche, isn't it? But that the best player is the one that makes the mistake in the final to sort of to cause a defeat, and I think that that was the case. That was the case on, on Friday. You know, it, it 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 really it sort of fit in a narrative in a way. The fact that Lukaku was the one who would score the own goal, especially considering he turned it in from the shot. Of the the defender who took him down and who, who I think should have been sent off, I think I think there's um I think the referee should probably have applied a bit of common sense in the in the sense that there is that there is that rule that um you know with with when it comes to penalties there is that um that double that double sanction with um, with the yellow card and the penalty. But at the same time it was it was a clear goal scoring opportunity and he was the last defender. And I mean undeniably it would have been it would have been a goal. So I mean yeah, I, I think he sh- I think he should have been sent off. Um I mean in terms of Lukaku's season, you know, obviously that doesn't the, the own goal doesn't take anything away from it. It's been a barnstorming season from him. Clearly Clearly, he's been the talisman for Inter this season as well. He's he's led from the front. he's he's, he's really impressed from his hold up play, especially I think. Um, I think that's that's the that's the one key aspect where he's really he's really shone. He's his the way the way he sort of brings players around him and manages manages with his foot with with a good with, actually with a good first touch as well. So, yeah, no, I would I would say that going forward he is going to be the main man for Inter as well.
0: Yeah, and I just want to touch on a couple of uh, other players. who have had sort of mixed fortunes for Inter, just looking ahead to next season. Um, someone who really impressed, um, particularly in the semi-final actually, was Nicolo Barella. Um... Although his counterpart in midfield, Christian Eriksen, he came in in January, was expected to sort of lift things, particularly in the creative department for Inter. and It, it hasn't happened for him yet. What, what are your feelings on those two players, Rich, and how important they'll be next season? Could, could you see Eriksen turning it around and becoming a key player for Inter? Or do you think he's going to continue
1: to struggle? Uh, I think with the pre-season, um, I'd, I'd like to hope with Eriksen that he certainly could become the player that Inter need him to be. Um, They certainly need that bit of quality. This is a really interesting one for me because um, imagine, I mean, obviously, if Conte had left today, the favourite was uh, obviously Massimiliano Allegri to come in. And all of a sudden, when you look at that sort of game that he would have played, I was thinking, well, Ericsson would be the ideal person for him. Uh, You know, it's a bit of a slower, more uh, possession-based game. I mean, Claudio Michizio basically once compared Conte to Allegri and just said, listen, you know, one system is all you do with Conte, constantly, 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 whereas Allegri can switch between three when you're in the same game. And you need a player like Ericsson for that. Now, you look at a player like Nicola Barella, when he came in from Calgary, for me, he's one of the brightest young talents in Serie A. Um, you know, his ability on the ball is fantastic. The fact, I like a midfielder as well. He does not fail to have a shot from distance, which it seems to be, you don't always see that um, consistently in today's game. But for such a young man, um, his awareness, his intelligence... And his physical attributes are fantastic. But he is quite a powerful player, quick on the counter as well, which we keep going back to because it's it that's Conte's game. and He fits Conte's system. Eriksen's obviously probably technically a lot better, in, in, not a lot better, but very different type of player. And it's, it's interesting of how much he's going to have to need to, how well he's going to need to adapt. I'm not sure that, um, I think Conte knows that he's a bit of a marquee signing and knows that he has to try and make him work in that system. Um, the talk today about the agreement between, I mean, it's still coming out now about with Zhang and Conte is that Conte has to operate with a little less transfer funds than he would have imagined he would have had. Uh, but again, he gets more protection from the club, etc. So it's in his interest to make it work with Ericsson. Um I think if he can, if he can find that system to play in behind the front two, uh, that would be better. But I think that Ericsson will particularly be um, more influential when we see the return of Stefano Sensi because Stefano Sensi, because Barella, Sensi, or if Sandra Togneoli comes in, you've got players who can allow, who can have that physicality. The, um, they've also got the passing range, the defensive abilities, and it just frees Ericsson up. And if they can do that, then, I mean, Rafa already mentioned before about Lukaku bringing players into the game. Ericsson can do the same thing. That partnership with Lautaro Martin is incredible. Uh, it, it could work, but I don't think it's going to happen overnight. It's very much dependent on who ends up in that midfield at the uh, start of the new campaign.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's been a very difficult eighteen months for Ericsson. He had he had a poor last year at Spurs. Obviously, that was partly due to his contract situation, and he, he's not settled in it uh, into yet. But we'll be interested to see how he gets on next season. Okay, I just want to uh, do the final sort of reflection on last season now. Then, and uh, it's been a couple of weeks, but the Serie a <laughs> uh, individual awards were handed out uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what did you make of? Uh, these often cause debate but it seems the consensus was they were largely um, well done this time Um, first of all Wojciech Szczesny given us the best goalkeeper any complaints there? Raphael and then in front of him uh, Stefan Gervais was given best defender do you think both of those were justified?
2: I'd say they were yeah I think Szczesny had a very solid season He's, he's proved time and time again that he's worthy of being the Juventus number one I think um Juan Musso from uh, from Udinese had a shout at um at the uh, at the award. But I think at the same time you you know you've got you know Chesney has won the title if you went to San Udinese haven't had the best of seasons. So I think it was well deserved on, on both fronts yeah, for Devray as well.
0: Yeah, and then uh, as we move uh, slightly further up the pitch, Papu Gomez was given best midfielder. And Chiro and best attacker. Are, are they um, pretty solid choices for you, Rich? There.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think Papu Gomez, you know, he's years, he, he just continues to impress, and he's he's a, he's a magical player. You know, you just think that you can't you can't really question it. The only person I may have put there in the debate on. The fact that uh really plays a little bit of a different position. Uh, Ilicic for the match as well, with the amount of goals he scored. Could have definitely seen him in there. But Papu Gomez, you can't argue, because Atalanta have probably been one of the most exciting teams to watch this season. And then, um, in Shiro and Mobley, I mean, what can you say? I mean, you know, everyone thought, I mean, that, that amount of goals, uh, that Lazio team. Um, I, I, I've got to say, with Lazio, I think we talked about it here before, the pandemic hadn't have happened. I really think that potentially they could have won Serie A. Yeah. Um, and Ciro Immobile was a massive part of that. I think one of the most entertaining things to watch on a Sunday or whatever day it was, uh, when you sit down to watch Italian football, was Luis Alberto and the link-up play with the Immobile. And, uh, yeah, I'm just um, – a lot of credit to Simone Inzaghi as well for that. But, yeah, no question for Immobile.
0: Yeah, and then finally, this one probably caused the most debate. Uh, the MVP award uh, went to Paulo Vala, who's had a sensational last uh, last season after after really struggling the previous year. Um, what did you make of this award, Raphael? Um, he got the no- nod over the likes of Immobile, Papu Gomez, even Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you think it was a fair call, or would you like to have seen it given to someone else?
2: I'd I would have liked to to see it given to um to Papu Gomez, but at the same time you have to you have to you know sort of see that paolo de bala has has basically led juventus to the to this title he's been the deciding factor the way he's taken games by the scruff, scruff, scruff of their neck and sort of um just provided that spark when when juventus really needed it especially when they were struggling to sort of have that chemistry in um in attack just i think it was, yeah it was just after the lockdown um, when when we came back, they were having a few problems scoring, but I think Debala was a massive part of them sort of kicking on after, especially after the Coppa Italia defeat, sort of kicking on and going on that going on that winning run. So I think I think it would be deserved because ultimately he was the deciding factor this season.
0: Yeah, I think uh, yeah, obviously he's, he's turned things around excellently over the last year or so. uh, But yeah, it seems Dybala or Papu Gomez, uh, possibly Immobile, obviously. um, Those three were in the running, and and any of those would have been worthy winners. Okay, I just want to look ahead to next season now, then. Um, And the big thing that's come out in the past couple of weeks, so Andrea Pirlo is the new Juventus manager. What do you make of his appointment, Rich? And do you think it possibly opens up um, the title race for the likes of Inter, Atalanta, maybe Lazio given uh, Pirlo's lack
1: of experience so far It's hard because yes definitely the first thing you know you look at Andre Pirlo and you think well you know everyone's saying it's very much like the Zidane appointment at Madrid although you know to hire the hire him is the coach of the under 23's this is a guy who in his book said that he'd never wanted to be a coach, no interest whatsoever, then he sort of falls into the under-23s and next thing he's in charge of, you know, the most successful Italian team ever. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's quite bizarre. And you can understand that they're taking a bit of a gamble. I can understand that Sari didn't really work. Not just for the fact of Sari not working on the pitch and especially not getting that midfield right, but also for the fit. You know, the Juventus want to have more than just... They want to set a standard that's on and off the pitch. So for that, Perlo works. Um, for, no one really knows what his style's like, but interestingly, uh, he's a, a huge disciple of Allegri, so you probably can expect a lot of possession-based football, maybe a little bit more defensive, uh, which would probably suit this Juventus side a little bit more than the style. Um, probably still be quite DiBala, ronaldo dependent, uh, but we don't know. I think that's what I was mentioning about Antonio Conte for Inter, that consistency of keeping him there. He's massive. And I think that Inter can, with deep pockets, uh, even not as deep as Conte once, can still, um, you know, go in and and really challenge them. And as you say, you know, Atalanta keeps surprising us. The likes of Lazio, um, you know, with some shrewd moves there, they could uh, certainly uh, keep going. And we don't know what's going to happen from Rome next season, although that looks like it's going to be a longer-term project. But it makes it interesting, Um, you know, it's a strange one because it, it, it does feel a little bit like he done a Zidane appointment because, you know, you saw Ronaldo this season and Allegri, so just sadly, sorry, was giving him instructions and he was rolling his eyes. He didn't look interested in the slightest. Andre Perla is going to get through to the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo. And if he looks like he's doing that, that will resonate through the whole, whole scene, but we don't know what he's going to be like. So it makes it interesting. Uh, but I really like the idea now that you've got the it's sort of, if, if Pirlo does take on that Allegri style, it's going to be almost like um, the, the Juventus of old versus the Juventus of even older. So it's going to be uh, quite quite interesting, I think.
0: Yeah, I think, as yeah, I, I, I I, you I say, I, I don't think uh, many people sort of predicted this for Pirlo. Um, if you look back at sort of the Italian teams of the last 15 years that he's played in, We've we've seen the likes of Nesta and Gattuso go into management, and then from more recent Italian teams, I think you'd say that the likes of Chiellini, Barzalli, those sort of players. You know, Chiellini obviously hasn't finished playing yet, but they're more natural leaders. Whilst Pirlo seems quite quiet on the pitch and lets his play do the talking. What what do you make of it all, Raphael? And also, how do you see the title race all sort of playing out? Do you see it as a straight fight between Juventus and Inter? Or could you see Atalanta and Lazio being involved again, possibly even Napoli coming back into the
2: reckoning. I kind of agree with the point about you know it being a Zidane-style appointment because Pirlo is the sort of manager who's going to have that gravitas, who's going to be able to command some respect from his players. But at the same time, I think we do have to be a bit wary of... Um, you know the sort of players who have a reputation for being, you know, when they when they are players, for being that uh, they have a reputation for being, you know, a very refined, you know, cultured player, sort of a, the the well, the playmaker really, and that doesn't necessarily translate well to management afterwards. I think people expect a very um, people are going to be expecting a very um, a very tactically refined sort of setup. And you know, sort of Guardiola style in a way, which it, which won't necessarily happen. I think people are going to have very high expectations for him, which could could work against him. So I think Inter are going to be going into next season with the upper hand, just by virtue of the fact that they have got they are established now. They've got they they have the security of having that that core of a team and the manager on board so I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be into the favourites Juventus just by virtue of coming off nine wins in a row are going to be obviously up there as well and I'm not too sure about the other teams because you don't really know if um, it depends on the transfer window the, the Lazio have if they if they have, they've, they've, they're coming off the back of a lot of sort of rejections in terms of transfers. And um, you you know, we have to sort of see if they are gonna be able to be able to get people players in to make up for the positions that aren't really that aren't that aren't really they're not really staffed by um, by title winning worthy players. And with Atalanta I think you know they're constantly in a state of reconstruction. So I don't I don't See how they can really challenge for a full season um, in the way that in the way that Inter could or Juventus could. So I think it is going to be those two at the top, and then just the others sort of lagging behind. Yeah, I I just quickly. Really, sorry, can I yeah, just add, sure. add
1: a really good point about um, when you have a, uh, a player that could, a manager that comes in who's a great player. I mean, Thierry Henry, for instance, was always criticised because. Whilst well, so he had the charisma, and he does have a very similar, you know, very cool, very sophisticated kind of uh, feel about him like Pirlo does. But the biggest criticism of him as a, a coach and a manager was he used to get very frustrated with players who couldn't do what he could do. Yeah. Now, that's fine because you've got Baller and you've got Ronaldo, and I'm sure they'll listen to Pirlo. And if he says do that, they can do that. But from the midfield point of view, they need to back him in that market for the midfield because that midfield was really poor this season. And I don't think that, you know, okay, they've got rid of Matuidi already, but, you know, and nice Kidera, But, you know, those sort of players, if they've stayed, or even uh, to the extent of, is he going to get frustrated with the likes of Aaron Ramsey? And even Ben if he's telling him to do certain things in the midfield, and they can't do it. So, yeah, you know, I think it's a really good point in there, because I think, you know, it's, it's how much patience he has and how he sees it. Because if he can just organise a team and ex- let them play to their... Full potential, then fine. But if you're expecting them to be Perlo, then well, there's only one Perlo.
0: Yeah, I think we've seen plenty of examples in the past. Obviously, you said Thierry Henry. We've seen it. You know, obviously, completely different characteristics. But For example, Roy Keane, when he went into management, it was like they can't do what I did. Gianfranco Zola has had some issues uh, when you know obviously he's still quite early in his management career. But player you know, players can't do what he did. So. Yeah, good player doesn't, well, great player doesn't always make a great manager, but we'll see how that goes. So we've touched on some of the transfer stuff, and I want to finish the episode by going through the transfer news that's uh, been regularly coming through. And we'll start with Juventus, because they seem to be looking at having quite a bit of turnover. Um, Pirlo announced today that Iguain is not part of his plans and will be let go this summer. There's also rumours about Douglas Costa, Federico Bernardeschi, uh, Daniel Pagani, um, going possibly. Aaron Ramsey isn't uh, in his plans either. What are your thoughts on that, Rich? Do you, do you think that you may need a major overhaul or would they perhaps be better advised to just get rid of a few players but, but try and still keep the
1: core of the team? No, I think a lot of them are coming to the end of the 10-year. You know, I mentioned about Kadir and Matuidi. Um, and Ramsey's a difficult one, as with Douglas Costa, because, you know, you, you wonder, you know, even when you um, look at that squad, you know, we, they've had to overhaul the back line. They're slowly doing that, and it's working. We talked about Chesney replacing Buffon. We've seen the Ligt have a bigger improvement now. But, you know, the forward line, as we say, the bar has been fantastic. Ronaldo can still go on another year. Uh, Higuain again I don't think he's uh, been at his best and I don't think that he realistically is, has got the quality to be even to play at this moment in time but for me as I mentioned I touched on it before it is the midfield it's absolutely huge that that gets uh, overhauled I know Artur's come in Pjanic has gone um, that's the key to it for, for me because this season we saw Menizio Sarri try and play a game that went straight through, that, through the centre of the pitch quick attacking football and they couldn't cope with it and whatever you think Pirlo is going to do it's pretty much assured that he's going to want to be a, have a possession-based game and that's going to hugely rely on the midfield so I don't think the overhaul's bad especially from a Juventus point of view if you take Perlo out of the equation because if they overhaul the squad get some new players in and it doesn't work well it's quite easy to get rid of Perlo and just say you know what we tried with a bit of an experiment it didn't work and look for a bigger coach next summer.
0: Yeah, I think um, one of the other p- piece of news that's come out in the past sort of week, there were some doubts as to whether Dibala was going to be, um, in, you know, firmly in PLO's plans, or whether he might want a bit more of a focal point up front. obviously Dibala sort of drifts from that centre forward position. What what are your thoughts, Raphael? Could you see them maybe, you know, following through and getting Arcadius Milik or maybe Raúl Jiménez from uh wolves who they've been linked with or do you still expect it to be Ronaldo and Dybala uh pulling the side through next season?
2: Yeah, I think if if they were gonna get one of those um one of those strikers, they would really just be there as sort of backup options and as a sort of way of just providing a different um different profile striker because it's clear that Dybala's shown that he is, you know, he, he can be the main man. He can he can sort of be the sort of the leader of the attack in a way. Obviously, obviously you have got Ronaldo as well, who's who's obviously at, at his age he's still able to make the difference. So I think it will be those two anyway who just who who take the attack forward. Um, it'll be interesting to see Kulusevski getting involved as well, especially because the I mean. There is going to be, I mean, there's there's too much competition at right wing anyway. So, um, one of Kostan, Ben or Ben Ladeski are going to leave. So, I think it's going to be sort of it's going to be Kulusevski involved in that attack. So, um, yeah, no, I think if they were going to buy one of those two players, it it, it wouldn't really be um be there to 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 start.
0: Yeah, I, I think Kulusevsky is an interesting one actually because. Um, you know, he has played right wing most of the season for Palmer, but he himself has said that he would like a go uh, as a central midfielder. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if Pirlo does possibly see him as dropping back into midfield, or if he does just stick with him as a right wing uh, as Palmer have done. OK, uh, another piece of news, this came out at the start of last week, was a bit of a shock. Um David Silva opting not to go to Lazio, having seemingly been on the brink of joining them. Uh, and going to Real uh, Sociedad instead. What did you make of that, uh, Rich, and how big a blow is that that Lazio have missed out on it? Um, yeah, look,
1: I, I, it is a big blow because if the Lazio had got him, it would have given them just extra ammunition in that creative part of the midfield. And we've talked about Luis Alberto before to have the two of them on the pitch at the same time, they could have managed that. I mean, how many goals would Chido and Mobley have got then? Uh, either way, you know, if they were going to play them alternately, it just gives them more consistency because Lazio's squad is a bit, uh, you know, not deep enough, should we say. Uh, so that would have been, a, and a player of that quality, I think even at his age, any club would like to have. Um, and yeah, the way they went about it, the way David Silva's camp went about it, it was very unfortunate because obviously there were certain promises made. Uh, and then they found out at the last minute he'd gone to Real Sociedad. Not sure about Igor Uh, Announcement uh, to say how much he was displeased with it. It was uh, that was quite odd to sort of say, "Listen, you know, we've been screwed over, and I'm going to make club statements about it." Just maybe, just maybe, just let it go. But um, no, it's a disappointment not to see him in Syria. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot. I think physically, I don't know. Go to the differences between the Premier League and the different leagues. You know, obviously, certain players can adapt to the physical. Presence in the Premier League are the ones to, you know, to the intelligent nature of City are, But the, the, the game now is very quick in City A anyway. So to see him at his age, I don't think there's anything about either of those things. I think that, you know, he's still very capable of playing in the Premier League for a very long time. For a couple of years, sorry. I think he's very capable of playing in City A or Spain. You know, he's a physical, very quick player, a quick mind and uh, very intelligent. And I think that I would have loved to have seen him here. But... I don't think it's the end of the world for Lazio because, as you guys alluded to before, you know, they've got a lot of... A difficult window because they've got that first eleven. It's about finding players. And I think uh, Raphael said it before, about finding players who can come into the squad a little like we've seen players like um, Casido in the past start to step up to the plate. um, You know, and and Johnny, in a sense, and and, and do a job, you know. Not to be world-beaters, but to come in when there's injuries and to keep the momentum going. So, that's Lazio's task. Yeah,
0: I think it looks like they're going to get Mohamed Fares, uh, who was a foul last season. He looks Mm. like he could come in and be their left wing back next year. I think they really need a centre-back because they have a chirby, but then they have the likes of Patrick and Luis Felipe, who are a bit inconsistent, and Stefan Radu's getting on a bit. So, it'll be interesting to see if they are able to strengthen that defence a little. OK, we're just going to close on Inter's transfers because it seems they're going to have a very busy next few weeks. Um, it seems they're closing on in on getting Marash Kumbula uh, from El Verona. That's you know, almost done, it seems. Where do you think that leaves the likes of Milan Skriniar and Diego Godin, Raphael? Uh, Raphael? Um, obviously, we see Godin has come back into the team in the last few weeks and Skriniar has been left out regularly. Could you see... Both of them, or just one of them going, or could they both stay and just um, add add good depth to that?
2: It'll be interesting to see because I mean, Godin has looked a bit shaky. Um, We saw he made he made a few errors in the uh, in the Europa League final. So, will 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 Conte depend on him? Um, I'm not too sure. And well, will he will he want to be playing second second fiddle? So. I think if if one of the two were to leave, it would be good, because Scrinia has shown that he is, you know, he is up to the level. He is going, he is good enough to be the leader of the defense. So, I think yeah, Kumbula does look like look he's like he's going to come in. Will he slot straight straight into the starting eleven straight away? I'm I i do not know, but he he probably be faced in, because oh I'm not I wouldn't say Godin's on his last legs or anything, but. The cracks are starting to show in a way.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, obviously, Gaudin. Um, well, certainly at fault for that first goal and uh, allowed De Jong to run off him uh, on Friday. How, how do you see things, uh, Rich, uh, uh, with that defence, um, particularly with Sbriglia? Um, you know, he has been in the defence most of the season for the past few Serie A games, and then in that Europa League run. He didn't feature at all, basically. Can things be patched up, and can he finally adapt to a back three, or do you think he really is struggling to get into that Conte back
1: three? Um, yeah, look, everyone has off games and off, off times in the in a season. And I think that was his. For me, Bastoni, De Vrij and Scrinius are still the best back three. Uh, I think the way Antonio Conte looked at that was it was a critical part in the season. He knows that Diego Godín's got uh, a huge amount of experience there's a lot of games coming thick and fast. uh Godin hadn't played very much in that season and looked probably fresher at that point. So he thought maybe in that particular time it, it would have made him um, would have been more worthwhile moving forward, I completely agree that Godin's the money should go. Uh, not because he's performing badly, not because he's a bad defender. Personally I'd like to see him stay another season. Um, you know and, and keep that harmony that's there. Uh, someone to push Grinya, push Bastoni, push De Vrij. Um, you know cuz you need a sort of person like that uh, on the pitch um you know you look at it and Humbolo when you mention him for me yeah I think if you came into that into squad he would definitely be um an asset of course he would for me though interestingly we talked about Lazio he's been heavily linked with Lazio as well for me that's a Lazio signing that's the sort of people person they should be pushing all the stops out for um you know there's also talk of um Hasden the coming back from standard Liège for Inter as well to so give him more strength in central defence. So, it, it's, it's an interesting one. If he does go there, it depends on the price because if you're going to spend a lot of money on him, you're going to want to play him. Um, and then, so, again, then that might see the end of Diego Godin in that case.
0: Yeah. And then finally, we'll touch on the midfield. Uh, it seems, uh, Sandro Tonali. it seems that's nearly done finally. Um I mean that's been dragging on for months now, and then uh, uh, Inter also linked with Andon uh, That that's less likely, but still a possibility. Um, if Tonali does come in, what do you see happening with the likes of Matthias Vecino, Borja Valero, and even Roberto Galliadini? Uh, um, obviously, we've seen uh, Galliadini's come back into the team recently. He's been derided by Inter fans for much of the season and did do, have a shocking miss against at one point, but has done okay in recent weeks. You still think he has a future at Inter, or do you think Conte will look to move some of those midfielders on?
2: I think um, I think definitely they'll be pushed aside. I think that because um, the thing is, Inter have they they I mean they've stated really that they want to have a young Italian team that they want to build around these young talents. So obviously, um, I think they'll have a greater role in the season to come. And in a way, I think the likes of Bessino and Borja Valera are going to be sort of phased out. It might be a good idea to let go of them this transfer window as well.
0: Yeah, it could, could well be. Um, yeah, I think we'll we'll have to see. With that. But obviously, Bessino and Borja Valera haven't featured much uh, in the last few games. But yeah, we will be interesting to see. Okay, great. Well, thanks for joining me for the final episode of the Bessino. Uh, looking ahead to the next season, obviously only about three weeks away now, three or four weeks away. So um, we'll pick up again then. Great. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers.